This is the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel with Neil Fitzmorris, bringing you all the big news and even bigger views on Liverpool FC. Hello, welcome to another happy edition. They're all happy editions these days of Poetry in Motion with me and Neil Fitzmorris. How are you guys and girls, whatever you're doing? Once again, thank you for supporting Blood Red. All of the podcasts across the range, uh, we really value your support. I'm waiting for this mic to spring up and hit me in the face. Um, thank you very much. Whatever you're doing, walking the dog, listening on the radio, listening in the car, listening, whatever. Thank you. Thank you very, very much indeed. Uh, I'm joined by, um, well, do you call it You call it the sort of the depth of range of, of knowledge and of experience and of age. We've got Paul Wheelock here, very much the old wise man of the sea here. Don't know what wise. How's your, have, you, uh, have you dropped that down a belt size uh, jacket? It's still a bit tight, but there's, there's a bit more room in there now. Dangers of all-inclusive. Uh, alongside him, the young, the fiery, the future... It's Theo Squires. How I'll are take you? That. That's a nice compliment. Yeah, take that. it, mate. Nice. Theo sure for Theopolis P. Wildebeest, of course. Who was? I don't know. Here's a little quiz for you before we start. Who was Theopolis P. Wildebeest? I'll, t- I'll, I'll announce it in a minute. We've also got another thing to announce a little bit later on, which is going to really, really get your blood boiling. Um, Amazon, obviously, are doing some... Um, I've got some rights to some of the matches now. Boxing Day. The Boxing Day fixture has been re- re- released and or will be released during the course of this, so the podcast won't be uh, won't be preempted anything. And I'll tell you about it in just a bit, and you won't be very very happy if you're Liverpool fans. I'll tell you that for nothing. All right, let's start on. A, I tell you what, Theopolis P. Wildebeest, right, was Lenny Henry. Right, it was one of his characters. It was hilarious, as you can imagine. Katanga. Um, let's start with. Let's start at the top. Top of the league, eight out of eight. Could we at any of, at any stage? I've thought that we'd have got eight out of eight, eight results, uh, top of the league, no points dropped. Theo, it's it's heaven, isn't it, mate? Yeah, it's, it seems a bit surreal, really, doesn't it? It's like you wouldn't have expected that after last year. It's just the high from winning the Champions League. It's carrying on. Liverpool have gone on that amazing run at the end of last season, continuing to win games, and it still wasn't enough for to topple Manchester City. If you hadn't had the Champions League final, you imagine that would have been a bit of a negative. They're just carrying it on. Eight out of eight is unbelievable. It's what Liverpool's best start to a season. And Paul, do you think that the the way Liverpool have started, which is which, I wouldn't say surprised us all, but it's but it's delighted us all, and and it's what we were expecting this team to rock to keep pushing on and doing. Do you think any other team in the league, including Manchester City, were expecting this kind of start? And do you think this now? the more we get to grind that results. Some of these results have been ground out. There's no doubt about it. We've learned to win in different ways. We're becoming a team that understands how to win football matches um, and doesn't really put much regard against losing or, or even drawing football matches. Do you think um, this has had an effect on the way Man City have started this campaign because they've made mistakes already? I think you're absolutely spot on, mate. I think it's got to City. I really do because I think last season they must have come away from winning the league, thinking, God, how have we done that? We have had to use every inch of our effort and powers and skill to, to get over the line and win that league. And surely Liverpool cannot do the same again. Well, actually, prove that they can completely. And I, I, it must, as good as City are, they're an amazing football team. You've got to give them that. As good as the players Best are. Best team on the planet, apparently. You know, we uh, get, keep getting told. <laughs> I'm not sure about I'm that. Not sure what planet. <laughs> but, you know, it must get to them, mustn't it? Like, say if they're playing on a Sunday or a Saturday half five and then they see that. Milner penalty against Leicester. They're only human at the end of the day. And I think I think I think the 
the spirit's been broken. You know, you never rule them out coming back and, and closing that gap, but eight points at this stage of the season, that's that's massive. Oh, there's a long way to go, Theo. Obviously, we're not we're not counting our chickens just yet, but I think one of the main differences, and I've read it quite a lot, and I'm actually, you know what, I'm actually glad that we're still being written off because we are still being written off. You know, the, the, the so-called pundits and professionals and experts in this field are all saying, ah, you know, it's early days. It is early days, you're absolutely right. Big differences, though. There are no games in hand. We, 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 we played most of our campaign last year ahead of City but they had games in hand and then it became the big crunch game at the Etihad when they beat us and they dropped it from uh, would have been 10 down to 4 was it but 7 ahead yes, yes yeah. and then they had two games in hand so from that moment on as long as they won their games they were in the driver's seat still very very hard to do and they did an incredible job there's no doubt about that let's not take it away from them this is different we're on level we're, on, we're 8 points clear on the same amount of games Theo it's got to make a difference yeah you can see a difference in Man City really from how they're approaching it like last year they were so confident and when they went on that amazing winning run from what was it February onwards they didn't look like dropping points look Liverpool fans, they were hopeful going, oh, maybe United can get a result in the derby. Oh, Rogers, maybe he can do us a favour when they played Leicester. But realistically, no one expected City to drop points. But now this year, there seems to be a bit more vulnerability about them. Like they've lost the centre-backs. Um, so they're having to play, what, Fernandinho there alongside Otamende, who last year was fourth choice. Um, and you can swear that Leo Rosane, they've lost him as well. And it's just, it's not quite happening for them it's really weird and Pep Guardiola he's come out and he's a bit rattled and as you look at his history if he stays at City for the whole season I think it's his longest stint as a manager at a oh. club he doesn't usually have that Hang continued about, success yeah. it's sort of like Mourinho but it's not as well documented so maybe this is crack starting to show and Liverpool are just there at the right time to take advantage and you could argue as well Paul that we haven't hit form yet really I mean we've had a few games that have been that have been um, you know um really convincing wins but we've scraped a few and we've scraped a few I think because the front three just haven't quite been clicking well Manny's been thankfully we've always had someone to pick up the slack Manny's been incredible um, but there are times and I, and I read recently in the Echo about about him, him coming out and talking now about the little spat he had with, with Salah and how much the teammates were taking the blip blip out of him <laughs> um, but um, and I'm glad that they've sort of started talking about it in, 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 with more levity now. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not, um, it's not a big deal anymore. But I think a lot of that is down to the fact that we are still playing with, with certainly from Salah's point of view. Even though he's still, you know, he's still an incredible player, he's pulling the trigger at the wrong time. He's passing when he shouldn't be. He's not passing when he should be. There is still there is a team on the end of a, on on the end of a cricket score from Liverpool that haven't come. Let's hope it's Sunday. Quite frankly, but. We're just grinding out those games, aren't we? And it must be, as you said before, it must be so frustrating. I mentioned in the very first podcast this season, this year, about how much of a fundamental mistake it could prove to be not replacing Vincent Company, yeah. not having someone of his stature. I mean, we talk about we talk about them catching us last year and, and that incredible run they went on, and particularly the Leicester game. And there's a man who, over the years, has constantly pulled that team up by the by, by its by its bootstraps, hasn't it? And said, "This is the way forward." He goes. I mean, I, I'd have broke the bank to get someone, particularly with Liverpool bleeding down the neck, to get someone like a Ramos. Yeah, a Sergio Ramos, uh, yeah. or someone who's just done it, who was getting a bit fed up at Real Madrid. Let's be honest with you. Um, and I'd have gone get him in because it's all about a lot. When it comes down to it, it's down to who's in that dressing room, shouting at them and kicking it. And it, yet the Peps obviously wouldn't do it. But you need someone on the pitch. It could be a fundamental. Laporte was never going to be a, a company anyway, but they're missing him. There's no doubt about it. We just need to uh, take advantage uh, at the moment, don't we, Paul? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a great shout. You know, you you do. You know, 
in this modern age, you know, I don't know if there are that many leaders, you know, in like the old school style of leaders in the 80s, 70s, 80s, but you do need them. And, and, well, and we've look, got one. And, yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> I mean, and Van Dyke. Van Dyke is clearly. And, and Milner, you know, yeah. it's players yeah. in the big moments yeah. who will get you get you through those moments when you need to win and Milner was proof of that wasn't he against Leicester I think we've got a up. few to be fair I mean I'd put Henderson in that as well yeah. he's old enough and experienced enough now to, to and and he's clearly a very diplomatic leader as well very very good but we've got a few of them through that team and and, and particularly those three Milner I would say Henderson and I would say uh, uh, Van Dyke as well and they they are shouters Andy Robertson has a shout as yeah. well and I think that's a vital part yeah I think it's, you're totally right and it's, it's, it's funny isn't it someone said in the office the other day this kind of run Liverpool have been on this season you know Know, grinding out the wins, leaving it later on, actually reminds them a bit of like the nineties the United. You know, like we always used to say, God, they're, they're jammy and lucky. But you know what? You're not. It, it, you, big players get you through those. Big How many times you'd say. look on, you'd look at the score at eighty eight minutes, ninety minutes, nil nil, and then you'd switch it on in the ninety fourth or the ninety third. Did have they've got one? But you've got to remember, you've got to be at that end of the pitch to score them. You've got to be, and that's what Liverpool are doing now. We're playing for ninety plus minutes. They don't stop. Theo. Yeah, the Salzburg game I think was the perfect example of that. Like we've seen the Champions League before, um, the first time they got to the final under Klopp, getting those three 0 leads and then drawing three all like against Seville. Well, usually if you have that three 0 lead and then you let it slip against Salzburg, the Liverpool of old would have had that mental block there. They'd have fallen apart and they could have easily lost the game. And you could have seen that in some of the league games as well, like Sheffield United. It's a tricky one and it's not going your way. But they just keep grinding it out. It's um, that maturity there now. They've got this experience. They've won a couple of trophies. They've got that belief in them. They've got faith that with Virgil van Dijk at the back that they can beat anyone. Um, they're going to get that faith again when Alisson comes back. We imagine he's going to start at the weekend. So it's going to be that added strength now. And they do look like... I'm not going to say champions-elect because it's far too early to be saying that, yeah. but they're playing like a team that you'd already imagined to have been champions for however many years. They've got that experience now. And if they can keep it up, they're going to be a very difficult team to beat for the next, what, four or five years? It's been an extraordinary turnaround, hasn't it, Paul? If you think about a couple of seasons ago when City won the league, 20-odd points clear. I mean, miles, miles, miles ahead of everyone else. Liverpool made that leap because we were 24 points clear of, of Tottenham last year. Yeah. We've, we're the only team to have gone, you know what, we want a bit of this because City were running away with it. That's why I, I find it remarkable that Liverpool have become the whipping boys of national... You know, certainly fans around the country have decided they don't like us. Well, you know what, thank God for, for Liverpool because we wouldn't have a league. Yeah, The league would be over. The league would have been over last year like Celtic, with eight games to go. Yeah, yeah you yeah. know. We're the only ones who make it... We put the league down to the last day of the season last year. The only team could go anywhere near doing it because everyone else would give up weeks and weeks and weeks before. And yet, and now we've pushed on, and now this eight points. I mean, you're talking about a, if you look over two seasons, you're talking about a points differential of about thirty points, or just under thirty points better team now than we were back in a few seasons ago. It's a remarkable turnaround, isn't it? Yeah. It purely Klopp's magic. Yeah, definitely. Because I know the signings of Alisson, who Fia mentioned a minute ago, and Van Dijk had such like transformed in it. The, you know, the defence and such a big impact on on the team at whole. But yeah, you're absolutely spot on. It's like you know this City team. Like for two seasons, have broke all the records running, and again, it's like what we went back to earlier. This Liverpool team have almost said in the summer, right? We know what we're up against this this year. We're going to have to beat ninety seven points. And they started the season like that. It's just he, he uses the phrase, doesn't he? Like mentality giants, yeah. mentality monsters, and it's exactly like that. Like to to get that information into the players, that to never give up. And to keep on going every week, week in and week out, like it's just remarkable. And like I think, what is it? Four years of Klopp hasn't it been in, in the last couple of weeks? And it just really does hit home. Like what an incredible job he's done and he's doing. And also, Theo, in my opinion, 
probably the most effective half-time manager I've seen in, in many years in any team across the board. Unless you, maybe you're talking your Mourinho's and your, and your Ferguson's of bygone days because Liverpool can get into the break at nil-nil or not playing very well. And he, he, 99% of the time, they come out a better team. He, he's, he must be an incredible half-time motivator to get that kind of strength out of a team who are dipping in the first half. Yeah, definitely. We all know his man management skills. You see it at the final whistle when he goes up to the players, gives them all hugs, um, makes sure they're all loved and that. But we know he's got a temper on him as well. He's not afraid to shout at them when they need shouting. And he just knows how to manage every single player in that squad. And that's a very good skill to have because all players are different. You're going to have some players that they're going through a sticky patch and they need an arm around them. You're going to have others that you have to shout at. That's the way to get them out the best out of them. And I, I remember, I think it was... Probably, I'm not sure if it was Michael Owens or something, but it was something about the United team um, with Ferguson doing the same. And I can't remember who the story was from, but it was saying whenever they were doing badly, um, Ferguson would go in and it doesn't matter who the player was, he would just, um, I was about to say rude one then, he would shout at <laughs> Wayne Rooney because Wayne Rooney was the player who could take it. Rooney would give a yeah. bit back and he'd say, oh, you're not passing quick enough or not. And it would be the message for the rest of the team. I think so, it co- they coined the phrase hairdryer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like say he wanted to have a go at Narnie, uh, but he couldn't take it because he's a bit of a softer lad. You could say it at Rooney yeah. and that would get the message across the whole camp. And maybe that's something that Klopp's now adopting as well because you'd imagine like Van Dyke can take it, Milner can take it, Henderson, but maybe Trent's someone you need to put an arm around a bit more. You're obviously going to put your arm around Salah, Firmino, uh, Mane. Yeah. They're the players need to It's handling them as individuals, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. I think that's I think that's what a lot of managers get wrong. And I think when you find a lot of teams starting to go backwards, starting to go downhill a little bit, nine times out of ten because the manager kind of and I, I think it happens very much um with Julia at Liverpool. Julia had a heart attack, didn't he? And mm-hmm. and he came back from that and and and, and they say anyway that uh, that his, 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 his personality had changed slightly and he started sort of barracking people and, and pointing people out the rock, you know, and, and I mean, his, I remember that Sander Westerveld letting in a goal, I think it was Dean Holdsworth and the ball bounced over Westerveld yeah. and went in. Do yeah. you remember that? Yeah. He never played him again. In fact, he, he sent him to, to train with the with the kids and it was really, it was, it was, a, it was a really over-the-top reaction. And I heard a story many years ago, not far from the horse's mouth, saying that he... Um, he, I think Michael Owen missed Mister Mister a sitter for us to get three points, and he and he he pulled um, Julian. And he said, "Why is it any different? Because he lost his three points there, mm-hmm. and I lost his three points letting the goal in, and 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 he didn't really even want to answer him. He just walked away from him, and he, he and his Vestavel felt very isolated yeah, at that time. Yeah. Didn't and I think a lot of it is down to to how that manager." treats them players individually. I think with Klopp, you've got someone who's very much like a father figure in a sense that loves giving the hugs out, but if anything, you want the hugs. Yeah. And, and he makes this, he <laughs> sort of instills this, this subconscious feeling within players where they, they love the affection side, but they don't like the shouting that side. And, and it's almost referring them back to childhood, if you like. And, and, and of course, a lot of them are kids still. We Big forget kids. how young some of these <laughs> yeah. players are. He's just got that balance incredibly right, hasn't he? And, 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 and so far, so good. We head into Sunday's game against Manchester United with the possibility of equaling that extraordinary 18-game unbeaten record that, uh, that, that, that or win streak that Manchester City uh, did a couple of years ago, didn't he? And on their way to to win the league by so far ahead, which just shows you how far Liverpool have come along as well. Um, Allison possibly back in the side. It's a funny game, isn't it? Let's move on to the United game. It's always a funny fixture at Old Trafford. We don't tend to come away with the results we need to. Last year, nil-nil draw. You know, you could argue De Gea 
always has a world day against us. He may not be playing, but he had that save against Massip, didn't he? Yeah. Um, that was, feet, that was incredible. Yeah. He does a lot of saves with his feet, doesn't he? But uh, it was an incredible save because there was nothing much wrong with what Matty had done. Massip, if he'd have tried to angle it a bit more. But, um, what do you think? Is there going to be a difference this time? I'll ask you, Theo, first. They head to Old Trafford. First and foremost, what do you think it is in the past that has, that has stifled performances from Liverpool at Old Trafford? Is it just because they were up against a stronger team? And do you think this is going to be an easier an easier game this time around or equally as hard? It's a weird one because there doesn't seem to be that as much anxiety about it as you've had in recent years. Like Liverpool are going there and because they're so used to winning... 15 points clear. Exactly, <sighs> European champions, you're just expecting them to treat it almost like another game and get the result. Like United, De Gea, I think, has been ruled out. Paul Pogba's been ruled out. They're facing whether Martial can be back. They've got a long injury list and they're just not that intimidating team anymore. And he, they weren't, to be fair, they're not full strength and that, that intimidating team, are they? But the Pog was in, he wasn't pulling up trees when he was when he was fit. But in the past, you've looked at them, even when they're not at their best, they've had Mourinho, Van Gaal, Ferguson, managers that you think they can get a result on any day. Does anyone really have that same feeling about Solskjaer? He's not got that intimidation about him either. So maybe no. that's another different sort of the approach, why Liverpool are going there. And it seems like it should be a bit more straightforward because you'd expect head-to-head Solskjaer versus Klopp. Klopp will get the better out of him. Yeah, yeah. And last year, it was just a very strange game. I think Liverpool would have won that if United hadn't lost three players to injury early on. You think how much preparation goes into these sorts of games, especially United Old Trafford. You expect the atmosphere and everything. And when their game check plan has had to change completely, you have to adjust to that quite quickly. And you think there's only so much Klopp can do shouting from the sidelines. And even though we said half-time manager, in 15 minutes when you've got to basically reassess their entire team, it's a very hard way to approach it. And normally you go to Old Trafford, you say you're happy to take a point. Same as when you go to Stamford Bridge, Emirates, yeah. the Etihad. But as we've seen last year, a point is no longer enough. No. Liverpool got the win against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge a few weeks ago and they had to really fight for it. So maybe it'll be similar at Old Trafford this week. But it doesn't matter how they get the result. As long as they get it, keep it going, then that's what they need in this title race. Yeah, I mean, United so far, you know, up to, up to this point in the season, the worst results they've had in many, many years. Massive injury list. Uh, a manager with all the confidence of someone standing over Mr. Burns' trapdoor in the Simpsons. <laughs> um, you know, it all just reads for an absolutely delightful season, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the laps out. <laughs> um, couldn't, couldn't, uh, couldn't enjoy their, their fall from Grace Moore, to be honest with you. But, is it a case of Liverpool not overthinking Sunday, Paul, going out there, playing their game? Because anything is possible. And, and these are the fixtures that often tend to kickstart other team seasons, aren't they? We've got to make sure we just don't overanalyse it. I think you're, you're spot on, mate. I think, like, that's probably the example I'd use for Liverpool is City last season. You know, when they went there in the running and won 2-0. For half, half an hour, 45 minutes, United played like a a mid-table team yeah. in a derby they made it hard they put men behind the ball and it was there was an atmosphere there but eventually class told and City won I think it was 2-0 in the end wasn't it and I think that's what should and, and will happen on Sunday as you're right just Liverpool concentrate like it's the playing a team in 10th 11th in the table away from home don't do anything differently yeah obviously you've got to deal with the atmosphere and probably the increased kind of motivation levels from, from United but there's just no comparison between the two teams anymore you know like I know on, online this week Loads of people have been doing like the combined United Liverpool teams, and I know there's a couple of pundits who said you just have eleven Liverpool players, yeah. but it's not even a joke, is it? Really? Like, would you have the? Not what Danny Mills says it because he doesn't say anything no, no. <laughs> decent about us anyway. The third-rate footballer, but it's true, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you you wouldn't take anyone, and I just think there is there is that danger because they've got a lot of injuries that they they can't they know they could get beat three or four on on Sunday. 
and you can imagine they, the, even though the crowd have got massive doubts about the owners, they probably got doubts about Solskjaer. They should have him, but they'll be fired up. But yeah, I, that's, I, but I, they're just not. They're not in the same. They're they really know, shouldn't. Even though I've just pre, even I, even though I just I just preceded this conversation we're having now um, with the, with with the with the sentence. You know, we always suffer. Get uh, we always find it hard to get a result there. We really, really should be getting a result there this time around, shouldn't we? Yeah, 100%. It's just, this is a team who, who are a poor team. You know, they're a mid-table team. I spoke to one of the United reporters uh, from the MEN at Manchester Evening News earlier, and he said it himself, he said, like, yeah, they've been let down by what's going off the field with Ed Woodward and the Glazers, and Solskjaer's clearly not a good manager. But you just, the squad, it's just, it's, it, I don't want to kind of preempt it, but it's, yeah. I can't remember seeing a worse United squad yeah. for a number of years. And it does feel like there's a chance for Liverpool to go and rub their noses in it. I don't think it'd be that straightforward. You know, I don't, it'd be, it'd be great for Liverpool if they went there and won 4 5 nil and really, you know, showed the superiority. But it's, ne- me, it's never that easy, is it? But, do, do you know what part of me doesn't want that to happen? Because I think if we won, if we went away with there with a the, with the phone number score, we went away with there 4 or 5 nil, I think he's getting the bullet. <laughs> I think he's getting, I think I think Solskjaer's getting the bullet. Just we take don't, two nil we don't want Solskjaer to get the bullet. But he's doing a fabulous job. Keep him at the wheel. There's no wheels on it, but keep him at that big stadium. I just yeah, honestly, I mean, as a Liverpool fan watching the demise of Manchester United, rubbing my hands together. Um, I don't want him to get sacked. Yeah, I don't want it. And I think a big, massive five or sixer, and he's out the door. And we we've had managers, we've had their managers sacked before, and we don't want that at the moment. We want them to just keep plodding along. We want them to just keep scratching their heads. It's just, I think, it's just a massive going there and not, you know, not expecting to drive through it. But 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 put one of our performances together and just hope that everything clicks as well and, and we can really come out with it. Poetry in motion on the Blood Red Channel. Let's talk about one of the players that we've talked about before in in, in a certain role at Liverpool that just keeps doing it time and time again for the international side. It's Ginny Wijnaldum, who, if you haven't seen, scored an absolute screamer. I mean, I don't know how many times he's, 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 he's set up the ball like that for, in a Liverpool shirt and it's gone into Rosette. But he absolutely is thriving on the responsibility he's been given uh, in, in the national side. Theo, can you explain uh, the difference in his performances? Now, bear in mind when he came on against Barcelona, he played more or less that role, didn't he? And he frightened the life out of Barcelona. Can you explain to to, to the listeners, mate, um, just what the difference in his role is in the international team and why it isn't like that for Klopp? Yeah, sure. It just shows how good he is because he can play a wide variety of roles. Like We've seen him play at centre-back for Liverpool. Uh, he goes away for the international team and the Netherlands pretty much play 4-2-3-1. He is that number 10. It all goes through him. And you think of the great Dutch strikers of the past. They've had, like, I can list them all, can't you? Van Nistelrooy, yeah. Van Basten, yeah. Bergkamp. I could go on, but we'll be here yeah. all day. Van Rental. <laughs> they don't have that anymore. They don't have this massive uh, striker lead in the line who's going to get them however many goals like Ryan Barbers had to come back in the reckoning that's all you need to know yeah. so it goes through and Alden is a number 10 and he just makes it click he scores so many goals for them in this attacking role whereas with Liverpool we've and seen, supplies as well and supplies with Liverpool we've seen Klopp sometimes use them as a number 6 sometimes use them as a number 8 but Liverpool's whole setup is the midfield they have to almost sacrifice themselves to get the best out of the front three yeah. and to get the best out of the full backs yeah. and if it ain't broke don't change it like yeah. You don't need to fix it. Liverpool's forwards can all get 20, 30 goals a season between them each. The full-backs will go and get 15 assists. They don't need Wijnaldum to get 
10 goals. They don't need him to get 10 assists because he is just there winning the ball back in midfield, either threading it through to the front three or playing it out wide to the fullbacks. That is what makes Liverpool so effective as a team. And then if you have the games like your Barcelona as well, we need to win 4-0 here. Let him off the leash. He can go and do that. Yeah, brilliantly summarised, mate. I think, I think, that's, I yeah. think that's the ideal kind of what we, what explanation that we wanted. So you, what do you see, uh, Paul, what do you see the lineup being against United in the sense of uh, 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 tactically? And, and is it just going to be another day at the office for them, do you think? Uh, uh, same, apart from maybe Alisson at the back. Do we know for sure if Alisson's going to feature? It, I'd say he is, just because Liverpool's Twitter admin's having a laugh with us if he's not. Mm. number of posts they've put out this week. Of <laughs> him smiling <laughs> back in training. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Klopp did say he was back in full training before the break and they didn't want to rush him, they didn't want to risk him. That made sense now, but he's been in for extra training during the international break. It feels like a good time to put him in. But I tell you what, if he does come in now and, and if we've seen um, the end of uh, Adrian for the time being, certainly in the Premiership, he'll probably factor in some cup games as well. That guy can take his boots off, sit back with a nice... Horlicks sit back and, and just <laughs> what a job he's done for this side, Paul. Absolutely brilliant. I know he had in a weird way he had big big shoes to fill because I know Mignolet had his ups and downs at the club, but I think it was like well documented how much of a team player he was last year. Mignolet wasn't he? after every win yeah. it or, or anything that Allison had won or he'd have a big game, he'd be always there supporting his teammates and supporting Allison in particular. So like there was a popular guy he had to replace and he's just come in and he's done absolutely brilliantly. I know there was that mistake against Southampton, but I think it's it's fair enough to say he's won Liverpool more. Pen more, in more the Super Cup he's won a, tro- a trophy Incredible. and Chelsea away, he's won more points. Uh, he's won a lot of points for Liverpool and this some season. Great saves as yeah. well. I the mean, Napoli one. The Napoli, Napoli save is extraordinary. He made a great save at, um, at the weekend or the last game, I think, which was offside anyway. But he didn't yes. know, and it was an absolute screamer. Yeah. It's against Leicester. Yeah. An absolute screamer for save. I mean, that guy can sit back, and hopefully he will. I, mean, I think he's he's adhered himself to Liverpool fans so much now that we want to see him again. We don't want to see him at the expense of Allison, but we want to see him in a, in, in maybe other lineups that we can rest Allison with. But. What an incredible impact to have. Sort of, you'd kind of say, maybe not the twilight of his career, but certainly towards, you know, he's been at a lot of clubs and, and done a lot of different things and not really achieved anything. Wonderful to see him getting a little bit back now, isn't it? Absolutely, absolutely. It's you know, he'll play as well. he play again this, this season, won't he? you probably get the cup games, I imagine. Yeah, the World Club Championships as well. You imagine oh, getting yeah. looking at that. But um, he, he just seems to be such a big personality. Like, Simon Mingley was a popular player in that squad, but there wasn't, quite that character there was there whereas maybe it's just the Spaniards because you think of Spain when they're dominating winning the World Cup the European Championships Pepe Reina doesn't play a game he's the one there on the stage leading all the celebrations motivating them all cheering them on maybe Adrian can have that role for Liverpool now (laughs) but he's going to have the cup games and he just seems to not it doesn't affect him as much like he can make that mistake against Southampton and his head didn't drop he's just happy to be at Liverpool Football Club happy to be playing for this team whereas Simon Mingley there was always that chance the bottom lip would come out he'd worry that this mistake is going to cost mm. him his place on the team when he was fighting with Carrius or whatever for the starting role Adrian knows what his role is a week before the season started he didn't have a club He's come in. He's trained in a park. Exactly, he's trained in a park. <laughs> and then within a week, he's gone from I mean, there's dog nothing. poo in them parks. <laughs> he's Liverpool he first choice. <laughs> it's crazy, isn't it? That, it's a story that everyone loves. It's incredible. It really is yeah. incredible. And, he, and uh, as I say, to, 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 to be just eight points in, plus a few other games, obviously, I know that, for, even for this point of view, I know he'd be hungry, and I know that his, his mindset has probably changed now. From when he first came in, he's probably thought, well, I'll, I'll do my best. And then I can't wait to sit out, sit out the rest of it. Let the other fellow come in. He's probably thinking, you know what? I'm worthy of this, and mm. and, and that's exactly the right kind of attitude to have because he he has been worthy of the shit, no doubt about it. Um, but he can sit back now and just chill out, and and then and then be needed when he's needed. You know what I mean? And still not let us down at all. 
Um, I was going to, well, let's mention, actually, because we just mentioned briefly the Leicester game, let's mention the Leicester game and, and the news that we found out just before we started this podcast about uh, the Liverpool-Leicester feature, or the fixture, sorry, uh, it's Leicester versus Liverpool, it's away, um, on Boxing Day, and it's been announced that it's going to be an eight o'clock kickoff. is that right? Yeah, and that's, uh, you can tell us otherwise looking at your phone there. Now, from what we're in not, today, um, yeah, well, from what we've heard today, it's all, it's going to be eight o'clock. It's an eight o'clock kickoff. At Leicester on Boxing Day, um, and you were saying before, Theo, there's no trains back. No, well, obviously it's a public holiday. There's not going to be any trains. Like, how are Liverpool fans supposed to get back from Leicester? Here? Yes, luckily again, just... it's not that far away compared to what it could be. But um, it's because of Amazon Prime having the rights. They've same as they've got all the games. I think early December, the first midweek. Pride themselves on delivery as well. Amazon Prime. <laughs> 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 deliver us all. Deliver, <laughs> yeah. deliver us three points and then deliver us all. But there's um, four <laughs> kickoff slots on Boxing Day. You've got your half twelve. You've got your three. You've got your half five, and then you've got your eight o'clock kickoff. And Liverpool have got the short straw there of the eight o'clock kickoff. The only small merch you can get in it is Leicester I think is the first game after the World uh, Club Cup mm. uh, Liverpool will be in the final with the third place playoff their, their timing um, for what that is going to be the same no matter how they do so how much difference a few hours can make don't know but it's not ideal is it? it's not where you want to be at that time on Boxing Day well it's yet again just you know whether it's Liverpool fans or any other set of fans it's a ridiculous kind of lack of lack of respect, isn't it? It's just disregard, isn't it? Like Theo makes a good point there. It, it might actually help the players, but you you don't have much consideration for players at Christmas time because that, it's just their jobs. I know it sounds terrible. They've got families themselves, but for the fans, it's just like oh yeah, I'm you know, half five would be late enough yeah, anyway, yeah. wouldn't it? You know, like but eight o'clock on yeah. a Boxing Day, like it's probably a day where you you've been with your families or you've been out on Christmas Day, and you can have a few more drinks yourselves on Boxing Day. You know, you, you're going to have to use. You're going to probably that that's taken away from you now because you're going to have to drive or you're going to have to maybe get a coach at best it's just don't get me wrong I know the clubs will never kick up a fuss because Amazon Sky BT Sports are their pick masters and you know without their money the Premier League probably wouldn't be what it is today really but it's and it's not down to the clubs it should be down to the league I just think there's certain boundaries you don't cross and Eight o'clock on Boxing Day just seems to be one of those boundaries. It's, it's ridiculous, just, isn't it? Yeah, it's I just, it's just not. You're playing on the next day. It's like, would it have been too hard to have two games televised on the 27th? Yeah, yeah. 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 And particularly, well, maybe, obviously, what they're doing is they're trying to work out this whole one before the other, keeping the suspense going, aren't they? So that it would be very likely that we'll be playing on the same day as City at the same time and mm. <laughs> the rest of the season. Um, because uh, other than your Saturday matches, anything outside that, they're probably going to want to do that to try and keep the heads to heads and keep the, the chasing pack going, aren't they? That's, that's the kind of thing. Um, let's look at. I mean, we, we've got a great squad, we know that. Let's look at, again, what always raises its head when it talks about potential transfers and potential who's going to come in. We have the same kind of conversation all the time, really, is who would break into that? Who who would break into that front three that we've got at the moment? I mean, um, you know, Salah, not firing on all cylinders at the moment, but still, you wouldn't have a team without him. You wouldn't. I, I, I couldn't. I, I've seen a lot of people on social media saying, let's drop him for a little bit, let's give him a rest. I can't see a team without, without Salah, just for the amount of trouble he causes when he's not scoring goals, Theo. Yeah, I wouldn't drop him at all. Like, granted, he's not getting the goals, but that's because he's been kicked more at the moment. He's been double marked. Like, teams are scared of him. He is Which the, is allowing other players yes, to be able yeah, to that, yeah. that is why Mane has Definitely. had so many more goals in the past, what, 18 months? Just because Liverpool have been adaptable, they've been able to fle- be flexible and use other players and bring it in. 
think gets the space to the fullbacks. I'm quite happy with Salah not getting as many goals if he's cutting and getting kicked and then having to play it to Alexander-Arnold because we all know how good his right foot is yeah. or if he's having to pick out Mane because Mane's probably the best finisher out of the front three if we're yeah. really honest. So it's just a different role and he's having to get used to it. But Liverpool have never been in this team about that one star man. Like If Salah hadn't had that incredible first season when he's got 40-odd goals, then no one would be bothered about his current form. No, this would just be yeah, part absolutely, and parcel. yeah. Yeah, he's spot on, Phil, because he probably just set himself to higher standards, you know, like apart from Ronaldo and Messi, I don't think there's been forwards who've done that. That kind of, What did he get, 44 goals in total that season? It's, I think I read a story recently, I think it was one, one of you guys, that his goals and assists for this kind of stage of the season is comparable to the previous yeah, two seasons. Yeah. It's just... But, but you, it's probably scary for really for the rest of the league. That I actually agree. I don't think he's hitting top form yet. Well, what we haven't seen him do, and, and he, he is getting marked a lot, and he is getting a few little kicks now. What I, what I haven't seen Salah do that I really want him to start doing again was out of those forty four goals he scored in that season. There was a good half a dozen, maybe more, that were just the what that was just him cutting in and just curling top corner. He did it against Everton. He did it against Arsenal. I think he did Roma, against Roma as well. Against yeah. Roma. Yeah. Um, Chelsea won last year. Yeah, yeah. yes, uh, yeah. Th- th- that's that's what's missing from 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 his game, and I don't know whether that's a confidence thing because a lot of that comes with confidence. If you're going to bend one from outside from the from, from the edge of the box into the top corner, that's your confidence high, isn't it? Uh, I'd like to see him take that time. Uh, I worry that sometimes because of what happened, obviously with the man, I think he's going to be thinking there were a few occasions there. I think Leicester, I think when he should have passed and he never, and there was a few occasions where he should have pulled the trigger and he was too busy trying to pass. And I hope he doesn't get into that little lost sort of no man's land now of wondering what to do and second guessing everything. When obviously his forty-four goals last time were instinctive, weren't they? There were him knowing when to pull the trigger and when to pass the ball. Um, but definitely he is one that just hasn't quite click, click, clicked but when he does boy watch the rest of the season because he's going to be he's going to be formidable I mean there's lots of talking about that um, Havertz isn't there mm-hmm. um, but again you'd wonder where he who would who would give way for him you know at the moment we've got the thing where Origi comes out I think Origi's an incredible impact player Yeah. Barcelona game aside he doesn't start I don't, I don't think he starts well Um I think he was fired up that night at the Barcelona game and then he went on with it, which was fantastic. But I feel like sometimes he drifts out of a game when he's given too long. But get him off that bench. He's, he's, he's incredible, isn't he? Yeah, I think he's done really well recently, hasn't he? He made an impact again. Gives against... him something else to think about. It gives him that height in the air. In the air it, it's, just, it's just interesting you say that because you're right, he probably wouldn't. If, if one of the front three were out, you'd trust him because God, he's earned everyone's trust what he did, particularly last season, obviously, towards the end of it. But he, is he good enough... Say if you had to go with him throughout the season as one of those front three, and I still think it depends on how 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 much not how much he rates Klopp rates Brewster, but how he doesn't want to put any more like blockades in his way kind of thing. But I think it's just maybe the next step is if you could get. It's very hard to say another player on the same quality as Mane, Firmino, and Salah, but maybe have a Havertz is that maybe Sancho is that I don't know. It's just like if you've got a strong squad, you've always got to try and update it. And if it does mean just adding another great body, and if it means maybe it's that thin know. line, isn't it between it, between upsetting the balance, but also yeah. having having the threat there for the balance, so that so that the three know that there's someone breathing down. It, there. It's almost like say someone talks loads, and I've listened to loads about on this podcast is Shakiri. Say if Shakiri was to go into January, he'd have to be replaced. Do you then replace him with someone more than like a thirty million pound player? Do you go and pay thirty four? I don't think you can get a thirty million player. No, I honestly don't no. think you can get a thirteen million pound player that's anywhere near Shakiri. Which which is why I'm finding this situation very unfortunate because I think there are times when Shakiri could have played a bit more, 
and and I think he's been left left out too much. I think I think there are times when I think there's a I don't know why because he's done. I mean, attacking wise, he's one of the best on the pitch. Uh, and I, but I'd like to see even if it's a cup game to get him in. I'd like to see him try and prove himself defensively because clearly he doesn't defensively prove himself to, to, to Klopp. Well, we were seeing it a bit more before he got injured, like rather than being brought on in the front three, Klopp was bringing him on in the midfield. And we've seen before that players do take time to adjust to Klopp's style, Liverpool's tactics, like Fabinho last year, took that two, three months to really get used to it, Oxlane chamberlain And with Shaqiri, he's probably never been asked to play that sort of role No, before. absolutely. Like at Stoke City, he was just let off the leash. Yeah. So you can understand why it's taken him a little while and it's harder to find that rhythm when you're in and out the team like he was in the second half of the season. And like he had his spell in the team last year when the front three weren't quite firing, when Klopp had to change the formation to get results. And then you can say, oh, why has he lost his place? He was playing so well. But that's when the front three clicked and Klopp went back to basics. Yeah. And you can't really complain with the results they got there. No, they you can't. The at all. No. And, and this year he's just been unfortunate because he was showing that he could adapt. He was getting that midfield role. And when there would be opportunities for him to maybe come in the front three and make a mark like MK Dons in the cup or Arsenal like McCavin coming up, He's out injured, isn't he? We, yeah. we don't know when he's back. He's not training. Was so it he's, a calf? He's, he's, I think it's a calf injury. So he's going to miss the United game. We'll find out from Jürgen Klopp's press conference how close he is to a comeback. He's the hero of the United game. Yeah, of course. Exactly. So it's like, we don't really know how long Liverpool are going to be without him. And in that spell where he's been out, Origi's managed to grab his chance. And as we've seen time and time again, um, that's what happens. Like Sturridge was the man in possession at the start of last season. Then Shakiri, then Origi. He's just got to wait for his opportunity. I think this is always, always a thing as well that, that to go back to United back in their glory days, they could keep hold of big players mm. that would be benched for most of the season yeah. because they were playing for United. I think we're getting a similar thing at Liverpool now, where they are they're showing more patience players than they need to than they than, than in, in previous years because where are they going to go? Yeah, and you're what, winning. What, and where where winning, else would you want to go? Winning breeds that mentality of like, well, I want to stay here anyway. Weirdly, the Coutinho in the thing doesn't go away, does it? It's just, you know, he's become the new Fakir. Um, uh, what are these? There are these weird rumours that, 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 that Coutinho is still on the horizon somewhere. Where, where's this coming from? That's come from your guys doing that. Uh, yeah, Bundesliga that, yeah, yeah they, spoke to, they spoke to a German, a Liverpool fan, funnily enough, but he's over there and he did. Uh, he, do, he covers the Bundesliga over there and obviously there's links with Sancho, Havertz, Muller, uh, players like that. And they, they basically came up again and like, I don't think we're giving any way state secrets here, but if we ever do like a Coutinho story on the website or as a podcast or as a video, it goes down, everyone loves it. You know, <laughs> some people might turn around and go, stop talking about it, he's left. But people are genuinely intrigued by him, aren't they? Like, what's happened since he's left Liverpool? And like... Yeah, that weird <laughs> thing where, he, where, where I don't know whether there's a misquote. You never know these days because obviously foreign players can't explain in our language as well as they would like to and it can be twisted but he had this thing where he came when he first came to Bayern Munich and he said this is more of a family club than any club I've ever been in including Liverpool now you don't know where that was but, but unfortunately that gets out and people go oh, is that what he's saying now is he disrespecting the club I can't imagine he disrespecting the club for, 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 for an instant but um, anything Coutinho based is, is, is going to be interesting isn't it and it's an interesting one with the whole transfer situation there because um, you've got these players that you in Germany, they just assume we'll join Bayern Munich one day. Timo Werner's one that hasn't happened yet. He signed a new contract. And I think Dortmund managed to steal a march on them a bit last year because they got Julian Brandt, they got um, Thorgan Hazard, a couple of these other players. And I suppose um, Kai Havertz is the next one. And that's maybe where this debate over Coutinho is coming. You could throw 
Jaden Sancho in there as well. So well, Havertz is like this number 10. So if Bayern Munich decide they don't want to sign Coutinho permanently, say they want to go for Kai Havertz instead, go for a German, um, where's Coutinho going to go? Like his only real option there is well, he's got hope for PSG again because yeah. he's already said he doesn't really want to play for any other team in England apart yeah. from Liverpool. Yeah. He doesn't have much options. So. And not many can afford him, quite frankly, because mm. whoever he goes to, Barcelona are going to want to try and recoup mm. as much as he possibly can. So there is a massive price tag coming with that as well, isn't there? Definitely. I just, I think he'll, he'll forever be linked with Liverpool because he, he was such a good player for the club. There's no getting away from that. You know, I'm the fat. way the way he left was I'm poor. The... You know, certainly in the summer before yeah. he left, wasn't it? But you know, he was a brilliant football. He still is a brilliant footballer. Seen it in the past as well. Like Suarez still gets linked every so often. If you want to go further back, Michael Owen was linked pretty much every yeah. season. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm very much a Romano when it comes to Coutinho and <laughs> I'd have him back because I thought he was amazing but again we have that whole different conversation then about where he fits within the balance of the team Sancho is Sancho got no claims by City anymore no he's Dortmund's player so he's Dortmund's player so there, so the, so there isn't going to be that because there's a whole story about City allegedly yeah. um, paying off his mortgage when he was 14 or <laughs> dad's mortgage or something uh, which no doubt to get away with anyway uh, Joel Matip Joel Matip back in the team for the for the uh, do, 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 you see, do you see it being the more or less the same team now uh, Matip going back into that uh, alongside Van Dijk or do you think Gomez is going to be in there I'd imagine it's going to be Matip which I think is quite harsh on Lovren he played so well against Leicester actually you're right I've completely uh, that shows you doesn't it yeah. And then um, Joe Gomez, it's been a funny time for him. Like he's had that chance against Salzburg. He'll admit he wasn't at his best. And then he's just been blank completely for the international break at a time when England were pretty poor defensively. Well, I, I mean, and I, listen, this is in no way meant as an insult to, 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 to Evan, but to put Keane in an England back four. Actually, alongside Maguire, you've got mm. Keane and Maguire there. You've got, so you've got a player who's representing the club that's in the relegation zone alongside an £85 million player who's two points ahead of the relegation zone. Mm-hmm. They're, your two, they're your two central mid, uh, central defenders. An extraordinary decision by yeah. Southgate. And he so, came out after it and he said, oh, unfortunately, we've got defenders who aren't very confident at the moment as well. Don't play them then. Don't play them. Don't play them <laughs> if they're in the relegation zone. That's the problem, isn't it? Don't play that. Gomez has been frozen out. It's a funny old game, football, isn't it? I mean, we sat here last season and Gomez was, was, was a mainstay. He was one of the first he's put in the team sheet. It's yeah. an extraordinary balance the way it can go. I think that's um, one of the ways you look at it. The fact that Liverpool have had these partnerships, but it's when they get that run of games. Like, even before Gomez got his chance, Lovren and Van Dijk looked so good together when they reached that first Champions League final. Then Gomez and Van Dijk, then Matip and Van Dijk. So, yeah, he looked shaky when he was given his chance, but it takes time to build that relationship again and get used to playing with each other. And they're all different players, aren't they? Like, Lovren's more your old-fashioned centre-back. Matip's like a Van Dijk light and Gomez is this, oh, I suppose, European, even though he's not European, he's yeah. English at the back. He's like yeah. glides on the ball. He's quick. Like you're not going to see him leap and win all these headers, but he'll just sweep up in the back. And that's why he can work so well with Van Dyke. But when Matip's slightly different, the fullbacks are used to something different. The goalkeeper's used to something different. And that's probably something that's not been considered as well. Like he was playing with Allison, like the back four need and the keeper need that chemistry. So he's had to get used to Adrian as well. Well, the common denominator with all them players there, of course, was Van Dyke. Wasn't he? Always I'd, is. Yeah. I'd give. I'd. I'd think Jimmy Cranky had put a shift in. I mean, could, <laughs> might not be much in the air, but I think. I think. I think. I think he put a, put a shift in alongside Van Dyke. Just how incredible Van Dyke is. Um, let's look at the ne- let's look at our six fix our next six fixtures then, just to keep the ball rolling. Obviously, Man United. It's a half four kickoff. Uh, on Sunday then we've got Genk we have got a really heavy period coming up soon yeah. isn't it? are we heading yeah. into this now I think, yeah. Yeah, I definitely think it's so we have Genk on Wednesday the 23rd and then we've got Tottenham at home on the 27th then Arsenal at home in the League Cup 
then Aston Villa away, and then Genk again at home, and then Man City <laughs> the tenth of November. And then round that's the last international break after that. And then that's and then with Crystal Palace uh, the twenty third, the eleventh. So, but you know what? No such no such thing as as an easy game. Now we just have to keep pushing it and pushing it, don't we? As it is now, an incredible start, eight down, eight one. As I say, some really impressive, some through our fingers. But we've still got there. Uh, long may continue. I mean, if you look at the game so far, you'd say Villa's the top, uh, toughest one, apart from City out of them. Yeah. Say what? Villa's the toughest one if you go on the results so far. Yeah, absolutely. Tottenham are struggling, aren't they? Tottenham, United Tottenham are struggling. Three, already battered Arsenal once. Yeah. I mean, I think, and uh, what's interesting, in, in, in seasons gone by, we've we've had a team, a Liverpool team, that's been good but inconsistent. And how many times have Liverpool fans have we gone, do you know what? This league is here for the taking because none of the other top six are really doing much. Mm-hmm. Well, now we've got the team that can do it and we're stretching it because the other... The the others aren't doing much. Uh, City will always be there. They'll be breeding down on X. There's no doubt about that. But um, as far as the others are concerned, the, the, the gap just seems to be getting bigger and bigger. Who would have said eight, eight, after eight matches we'd be 15 ahead of United? I think we're 24 ahead of Everton, aren't we? Yeah. Sure. Just eight, eight ahead of City. Eight ahead of City yeah. is the only one that, name. that really matters. Guys, thank you very, very much. Enjoy your buenos. You've earned them, Theo Squires. Thank you very much, Paul Wheeler. <laughs> thank you. Always a Cheers, pleasure. Uh, once again, thank you for listening. Keep listening to all our podcasts. We we try our best to uh, to be informative and have a little laugh while we're doing it. Up the Reds, eight out of eight. Incredible. Let's try and... If we get 10 out of 10, then we've not only equaled, but we've broken City's incredible record. Let's go for that. Let's go for the mighty 10 out of 10. First up, our Man United, of course, at Old Trafford. Piece of piss. Fingers crossed, and we'll see you on the next Poetry in Motion. You've been listening to the Poetry in Motion podcast on the Blood Red channel.